Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. My name is Garrett Sussman of IPO Rank, and I am stoked. We're talking about, man, it's fundamental SEO. We're talking link building, the value of links, and with all this like EEAT and chat GPT garbage going on, I'm talking with someone who does this day in and day out. Jeremy Moser. Jeremy is the CEO of uh, Userp, really awesome digital marketing agency that does SEO, does link building, does digital PR. He's uh, from San Francisco, lives in Hawaii now, but he spearheaded SEO campaigns for global brands like Big Commerce, Freshworks, Monday.com, hundreds more, like all about that SaaS. He's a Forbes 30 under 30 lister, entrepreneur.com leadership network advisor. That That's the whole spiel. How you doing, Jeremy? What's going on, man? Good, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat about it. Yeah, dude. So <laughs> link building is so fascinating in our space because historically, it, you know, there are a lot of, you've all had that experience where someone on LinkedIn reaches out to you and gives you like a unresearched example and your agency doesn't doesn't do link building that way kind of what's your guys's approach at this point for sure yeah we're a, a totally quality over quantity approach at this point and uh when you typically hear of link building most people will think of those typical emails that you get right i'm sure anyone listening owns a site or you know gets emails in their inbox daily right of those people that are just saying hey I've got a list of 10,000 sites, you know, I sell them to you for 20, 30, 50 bucks. And that type of link building just really doesn't work anymore, right? And so what we focus on holistically is how do we earn and get the best quality links we can from sites that are just normally unreachable, right? So if you were to go and send, let's just say an email to HubSpot and say, hey, let me buy a link from you guys for 50 bucks, obviously, that's going straight to spam, probably getting blocked. You're probably getting some sort of aggressive response back. And that's the type of link that we want, right? The ones that are just fundamentally really, really difficult to get. And so that's entirely what we've been focusing on over here. Dude, it's it takes so much strength not to respond to those emails like aggressively. <laughs> but I'm a chill dude. I don't go there. Yeah. I am curious though. I mean, and part of the reason so many people do focus on links is historically Google's really valued links. Like it's always felt like a top three rank factor when you talk to SEOs. Naturally, they've moved away from like the hundred, you know, two hundred rank factors. But like in your perspective, what you've seen, whether working with clients or just doing the research, how much value do you think Google places on links, like in twenty twenty three? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. So I'd still say a lot and I've kind of seen it firsthand, obviously, in sort of the stuff that we've been working on. So I'll share really this answer in like two distinct parts. And one's based on like real hands-on data. And the other one is actually based on Google's own documentation. So there's still some interesting stuff you can kind of uncover from Google directly. And I know they've obviously said some interesting stuff in the past, probably six to 12 months on the link front. We've seen, you know, the link spam update. We've seen all sorts of stuff from different spokespeople there. Um, so it'll be an interesting, you know, 12 months to come, but, you know, we've worked with, uh, you know, hundreds of clients and the trend I see remains the same nearly across any industry and competition level and of all like company stages and sizes is that clients who come in and really only focus on creating good content, but forego the link building and see far worse results. And those worse results actually take even longer to show. And so in practice, what we've seen is that if you're just, you know, solely focusing on that. You're only creating great content. It can get you so far if you're sort of a larger brand who has built-in distribution, you have built-in networks, your ability to share things that go viral is just far more frequent. If you're a smaller brand, that's really just not the case. And I can dive into the specifics too, but 
even for those larger brands, what we see is, is uh, you know, if they're not focusing on the LinkedIn, they're just focusing on the content. And there's just so much that they're missing there, especially in, in uh, more competitive spaces where we even see still brands like NerdWallet are even doing syndication links. They're doing all of these kind of things that are uh, even pay to play aspects if you look at some of their link profile. So even some of the largest brands that are just dominating every single space you can think of are still doing these tactics. And so we see that links really still even matter in those spaces too. And then another interesting thing to, on the, the secondary point here is that Google actually still stands by some of this. And so if you look at uh, their own 2023 documentation, I think it's called How Search Works, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And if you read about how they define content quality, it actually goes beyond words on the page. And their excerpt something it goes something along the lines of like, you know, several factors we use to determine uh, content quality our understanding of other websites link and refer to that content. And so this is often really a good kind of proven way that information is well trusted. And and it makes sense, right? Because content is so subjective. What one person loves, the other person hates. And links are just a really good objective way to measure if that content is good quality, if people are sharing it in a positive light. So I think links are still, uh, you know, remaining at play here. Dude. Okay. So two really surprising things that you said that I, I kind of want to dive a little more into is like mm-hmm. mind blowing of great content is not enough. Like that you still need to do, you know, some element of digital PR or, or actual link building. What is the sweet spot for that? And, and kind of like, how do you approach that? And then the second part is, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on content syndication links, like that surprises me too, that you, that, that there's value there. So you want to elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. I think especially from the digital PR end, a lot of that we tend to see actually work better for smaller brands that are kind of trying to get their foothold in an industry because it is a little bit more scalable early on. Like if you can get a good quality data study published or some sort of really unique, interesting content piece. Those usually tend to not rank very well for like any measurable keywords. It's really more of a content marketing play that has, <clears throat> excuse me, those secondary benefits in SEO, right? Of like you're creating something super interesting, unique, that doesn't always lend itself well to, to ranking for a specific keyword or a specific subset of keywords. It's more so on that content marketing front. And that tends to bring in a lot of interesting visitors, insights, it can get you a lot of good quality links from publications that otherwise are, they're not going to link to your listicle piece, right? You need something that's unique. You need something that's interesting and creative. So I think that's really good for kind of small mid-tier brands. If you're a larger brand, we actually see that traditional link building tends to be a little more important because you're often targeting stuff that's referred to as like a money page, right? Something that's uh, going to be a little bit more difficult to get a natural link to in the sense that like people might just not be talking that much about best XYZ services or products, whatever it is that you're trying to rank for. And so those pages, we see you actually need a little bit more of that traditional link building effort than something digital PR oriented. And that's kind of like the catch 22 of those kind of different techniques is that they will apply differently to different brands. And we see that if you're a super large brand doing digital PR stuff, you just tend to not need that as much as a smaller brand. Because again, that's going kind of wider, casting a broad net. You're already big. If you're a big brand, you already have that wide net. So what you really need to do is hone in on some of those pages where they can really move the needle for your own revenue, whatever your kind of goals are there. So that's where we tend to fall, at least on that spectrum. Dude, it's so it's interesting because it's like everyone, you know, the whole idea of like the pay to play with links. And and that is a reality that everyone's lived in for so long, especially, you know, that's what feels not fair with the big brands where they have all of these resources. Do you think 
that will change or do you like, it seems like Google at some point would be like, well, you shouldn't be able to manipulate your rankings just by paying for these links. Do you think it's sustainable or, or do you think we'll see any sort of like flip of the script at some point? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And we've kind of seen some of this change already, especially with the link spam updates. So what we've seen across the board is that any sort of mediocre tier stuff, like you can, if you can tell from your own eyes, like clicking on the article URL, you can tell it's a content farm. You can tell it's a paid site. They've got like a, you know, contribute page that's actually just like a, you know, basically a paywall for them to say, hey, it'll cost you 300 bucks to post here. Those kind of things, if you can identify those, you can be sure that Google can identify those, right? If, if a simple human scan of the site can identify that, algorithms, et cetera, are able to identify that too. And so what we've seen across the board is just a shift towards quality. And so we're looking at links that like you just can't buy, right? Like ones where if you were to go to offer them some sort of price, you're just not going to get a response back. You're going to get uh, sort of maybe even blacklisted in the industry, whatever it is. Um, so those are the ones like that really actually matter. And I think the trend is going to continue that it's kind of what we saw with the link span, right? Of like folks that were ranking for stuff that probably shouldn't have been, they were likely gaming the system. They were kind of paying for mediocre links at scale and just buying like these large scale link farms. That sort of stuff is really phasing out. We're seeing a lot of that lately, even just in continual core updates is that folks that are prioritizing that just aren't winning long-term folks that are prioritizing even far fewer links that are just really, really good quality. What we refer to as like almost seed sites in a sense, those are the folks that are really winning. And so that's what we see as, as really a good focus long-term if you're looking at link building. And then within all that, what role does content syndication play? Is it a different tiers or, or do you think that people are kind of getting a renewed appreciation of content syndication? Like, how are you thinking about it? Yeah, content syndication is an interesting one. I'm not a huge fan of it for, for the vast majority of companies. We see a lot of large brands do it, but it's it's that case where it's like it's hard to know if they're succeeding because of it or in spite of it. Um, so it's really in that like gray area at the moment, but constant syndication, super popular in the past, has made a little bit of a resurgence, especially for sort of big brands. If you look at like the link profile of NerdWallet, if you look at the link profile of like Forbes, Business Insider, all these major brands, you start to see like a really noticeable pattern of syndication where uh, they're either obviously they have just really good partnerships with other brands like that, or they are even paying for some of those in instances. Um, it's again, that sort of gray area where you're not sure if like that's actually helping or if they're just succeeding, even though that's going on in the background and they're just too big of a brand to fail at that point. Um, so I'm still on the fence of content syndication. I wouldn't necessarily recommend anyone puts a uh, massive stock into it, um, at least at the moment. And so we've kind of danced around it a little bit with these bigger brands and like, you know, if you're a category leader, if you are like a Forbes, a WebMD, a Monday, for instance, um, to what extent does link building and digital PR even matter? Is that something you just have to do because it's part of the game? Or if you get big enough, like too big to fail because you have so much content for whatever brand signals, can you just kind of say, okay, we don't need to spend money on that anymore? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I have like firsthand insights from working with we work with a lot of pretty large scale enterprise companies who on the surface, you look at and say, you know, wow, they have so many links from every possible site imaginable, right? They've got all these rankings, and they're still investing a significant chunk in there. So it's at that point where it's like, it seems on the surface that you might be able to get away with kind of coasting at a certain point, like you get too big, 
There's, you know, seemingly no other links that you can possibly get, but there are all these brands that are still ranking number one. They don't want to lose that position, right? We're talking folks like NerdWall, like you mentioned, Forbes, Monday, all these places where, you know, ranking the difference between ranking number one and ranking number three is potentially millions and millions of dollars for single pages across a year. And so we're talking, you know, if links still have that impact, uh, which I believe they do and we're kind of seeing across the board still, you know, folks are still investing in that area. And so I think even though you are a big brand, there is still a need there. I think the tactics just change up a little bit in the sense that, like I mentioned, uh, kind of on the earlier front, the digital PR stuff, I think is better if you're a mid-tier smaller brand and you're trying to gain brand awareness, traction in all these spaces. I think if you're already at that scale where like your brand is a household name, the efforts tend to focus on more traditional link building where you're identifying some of those money pages that, hey, if we were able to rank this from, let's say, position five to position one, that's a you know potentially a 10x increase in the amount of revenue that we're generating. And so that tends to be really the focus we see for kind of larger brands is your best bang for your buck tends to be identifying those money pages and getting more traditional links to them versus taking that kind of wide scale branded approach. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, you're almost in some sense playing a different game when you're playing for those like head terms with like the ridiculous yep. search volume and getting those money pages up there. Do you, for those folks at that point, is it a quality and quantity of links or is it still really just making sure you have a steady frequency velocity of quality? Yeah, we typically find that at that at that level of game there, it's usually a quality factor. And that like, if you look at the link profiles of so many of those big brands, they have the quantity. A lot of them just sort of lack the quality or that we tend to see the difference maker there is quality. So if you look at the link profile of brands like that for any given page, maybe it's a money page or whatever, they're probably going to have maybe upwards of 500 to 5,000 links, depending on how important that page is to them, right? And so the quality or the quantity rather is actually already there. What they tend to need for a difference maker between the multiple brands is that quality factor. Because we see that content for those pages, you can really only get so creative with a money page piece of content, right? Like there's a certain formula that goes into it based on search intent, based on what people are looking for. You can't get uh, super unique with those, right? So there's only so much differentiation you can do from a content standpoint. Obviously, from a technical standpoint, you can do some things. But again, both those brands, if we're looking at two direct competitors for a given keyword there, they're usually pretty aligned, pretty much on par with each other there. The difference maker just really tends to be how many good other big brands are pointing to you and saying, hey, this is the person you want to trust for XYZ topic. It's compelling. I mean, especially for for those enterprise level level brands. I I'd be remiss of like every rankable episode at this point. I can't help but touch on AI and Chat GPT and everything that's going on. What do you think AI? Have you seen any impact that AI is having on the link building side of the industry? Like, what is it? Automation? Is it like what's that look like? Yeah, I've seen some interesting stuff. So I saw the other day and actually an interesting company, I can't remember the name, but they're essentially doing AI for like Haro pitches, uh, which is super interesting. I think that's going to be, I'm not sure exactly how that scales with uh, with AI since a lot of it is quote driven, et cetera, of like actual personalized experience. But I've seen some interesting stuff where folks are trying to use AI to automate some of the link building end of like that, like an automated Haro pitch and automated probably, you know, emails, guest post pitching, all the kind of like traditional stuff in there too. Um, I'm not too concerned about AI's impact on a link front. I think if anything, it's actually going to bolster the impact and quality of, or the impact and need for links. And that if anyone can kind of like spit out 
some generated AI content and the differentiation starts to be a little less between different brands. I think that's where links actually tend to shine, right? Is that they're an objective measure of other folks saying, hey, this brand, they're the experts, they're the category leader in this space. That's why we're kind of sharing their content and we're linking, we're referencing it versus uh, it gets a little hard to tell, right? Subjective, quality is so subjective for a piece of content. Like what one person loves, the other hates. The sort of source that you get information from matters just as much as the information you get. So it becomes a little more of a branding play in there too. So I'm not super worried about the AI takeover for the link side yet, but it will be interesting to see, you know, what people develop. And, you know, obviously it's not a factor link building conversation, but I'm curious about how you feel about citations and just links in general on chat GPT currently doesn't link out. Google Bard is saying that it doesn't link out. Um, Bing does have citations, but it's, you know, hit or miss. Do you see the, the citations and attribution of these chat GPT or these AI LLM models, um, being, being baked into these tools, or do you think we'll continue to see LLMs without them at all? Yeah, I hope we go in the direction, obviously, of seeing kind of, uh, you know, links being given, credit being given. Because like I mentioned, I think, you know, the one of the best comparisons is I'm not generally a political person, but the best comparison is, uh, is you know, if you're looking at uh, different political spaces, especially in America, the divide between like who watches what news network on which side is like so clear, right? And if you were to give the same message on each side of the network, people would perceive it very differently. And so it's really about the source that it's coming from it tends to be as important as the actual information that's being given, right? And I think that's really key. Some a key element really that we're missing from certain AI tools, et cetera, chat GPT, is that a lot of the content we're being given is like, okay, what's the actual source behind this? Is it credible? When was it last cited or reviewed? When was that information updated? All these key things people actually do consider when they're analyzing whether to trust your information or not. So I think you know, folks wanted to go in that direction. I'm glad Bing is sort of moving in that direction, kind of making room for that. So I hope that we see other tools kind of follow suit too. Okay. Before we dive into the rapid fire rankings, I'm just wondering in that, in that conversation, do you have any hot takes for the future of search? Like, what do you think it's going to look like in the next 12 to five years? Is SEO dead? Is everything going to just be status quo? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. No, we've been hearing the, the classic SEO is dead, I think, for 15 years at this point. So I don't imagine that's the case, but uh, I'm sure we'll see some interesting changes. I think my biggest hot take is probably going to be that things like niche sites that are more focused on informational queries are going to see a huge, huge hit in probably even the next couple of years at a minimum, right? And that's anything that's super informational, super top level, top of the funnel, like, you know, what is... XYZ definitional based stuff. I think that stuff is really going to phase out from we're already seeing it, right? Like featured snippets are already stealing so much traffic from informational stuff. I think it's just going to get worse for those type of folks that are relying on more informational content. And that if uh, we see more of a, that chat adoption model going forward, a lot of that is used for informational queries, right? People aren't necessarily saying, hey, what's the best B2B software in XYZ space? But they're saying, you know, what is the best recipe for XYZ. So informational stuff, I think, is going to be a really, really massive change in comparison to stuff that's maybe a little more bottom of the funnel. It takes a little more research. I think there's going to be some really interesting landscape shifts in that area. Absolutely. And that'll totally impact content strategy going forward. Okay, dude, you ready 100%. for some rapid fire rankings? I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, put put on the music, put some time on the clock. Here we go. 
with Jeremy Moser. Rank your top three of something, anything that you love. Oh man, yeah, that's a good one. I would say uh, Hawaii, because I live here. Uh, the ocean, obviously, and then uh, tequila. <laughs> I love it. Rank your best SEO or marketing win. Yeah, that's a good one. So we uh, we worked with a brand called Early Bird. Uh, so they're like a fintech startup, and we took them from zero, like complete scratch. Didn't even have a blog when we started working with them. So went through like the designing process of that. Took them to uh, from zero to seventy thousand recurring monthly visits from organic search and it's super competitive consumer fintech space. So I think that's probably one of our best wins. Dude, that's awesome. That's so cool. Okay, so rank your top three SEO tools. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I'm liking, uh, obviously, Ahrefs, SEMrush. I kind of count those as one. Honestly, they're sort of interchangeable. Screaming Frog and then Low Fruits, I think has become one of my favorites recently. I don't know if I played with Low Fruits. You'd recommend it? Yeah, give it a shot. It's really good. You can find some really good long tail stuff in there. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, checking that out. Rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I would say this probably applies more to, to mid-tier smaller brands, but I think that digital PR-driven content marketing, where uh, you've, it's kind of counterintuitive on the surface of like creating content that doesn't necessarily rank for any given keywords, but you're playing into that further SEO goal of like, how do I drive a ton of awareness, branding, and links to my site? And I think sort of going that digital PR route, it really tends to be the bread and butter there. Yeah, it's like the jump from the X to 10X to 100X when you're at that 10X spot. Um, sure. Rank what you love most about SEO. Yeah, I'd say the relationships and, and uh, everything to do with the link building end just fascinates me of like, you know, the challenge of getting those really difficult links and building really good relationships with folks so that you have sort of that built-in distribution. I think that's the most fun for me beyond like putting together a really cool content strategy. I love it. Where, rank your best learning SEO resource. Yeah, I'd say uh, probably just learningseo.io. I think uh, I'm gonna butcher her name pronunciation, but Aleda, she is uh, fantastic. She put together a really great uh, resource there that contains, you know, if you're looking to get started or even if you're experienced, right? There's just a whole host of resources in there that you can kind of pick and choose from. It's so beautifully curated. Um, probably what I consider the hardest question is rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most uh, admire, appreciate, look up to. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, definitely Seth Godin's on the list. I think just from a branding perspective, as branding applies to SEO, I think we're seeing that increase so dramatically over the past few years and that big brands are just continually dominating search results. And so having that branding aspect and really just learning how brands come about, how they flourish, I think it's really key. So Seth is a really good inspiration there. I think on the content marketing front, Anne Hanley is just uh, someone to look up to and what she's done in this space. And I think some of her insights from the past you know, decade plus are just still apply today and they're still hyper relevant. So those are two that I would highly recommend checking out. They're great. I love marketing process. And I, I still remember reading yeah. Everybody Writes for the first time. It's like yeah. her stuff. It's just the way she thinks about it. Okay. And finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you'd want to promote. Yeah, I'd say probably the Wounded Warrior Project is a really good one for, uh, you know, vets, et cetera. I think that that's one that's, uh, you know, we need a little bit more efforts put towards. and one that uh, you know is close to close to my heart, so I think that's one that uh, you know everyone should go check out. Dude, modern link building inside and out. I love <laughs> it. If, if if people want to get in touch with you, man, where where's the best way to find you on the socials? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter. Um, if you just type my name in, I should show up there. Um, and then on LinkedIn too. Those are usually the best places to reach me. Or you can check us out at uh, usurp.io.
Dude, I, okay, so check out Jeremy. He's he's an excellent follow on both Twitter and LinkedIn. So are there are no Jeremy Mosers out there, or or do you just you dominate the SERP? Because there's <laughs> there's another Garrett Sussman's bullshit, man. Like they, he's yeah, he's yeah. above me. He's something like CPA. How about you? Yeah, no. Funny enough, there is another uh, Jeremy Moser out there. He followed me on Twitter a while back, which was super funny. Um, so I wasn't sure like if I was getting pranked or something or what was going on. Cause I, I've, re- I've never met another person with the same person last name as me. Um, you know, I feel like it's not a super common, maybe combination there, but, uh, yeah, he followed me on Twitter. Um, I, you know, I'm still dominating the rankings for my own name, thankfully, uh, but he might come up into play. So if you see another one out there, don't be surprised. Oh, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's, it's really been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. My name is Garrett Sussman of IFL Rank. It's been another episode of the Rankable Podcast. We will catch you next week. Peace out.